Hello, and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast, and our winter mid-season check-in. My name is Vrai Kaiser. I'm an editor and contributor at Anime Feminist. You can find me on Twitter, at Writer Vry, which is where I post the stuff I do for freelance writing. Or you can find my other podcast where I talk about trash media at TrashPod. And with me today are Peter and Caitlin. Uh, hi, I'm Peter. I'm an associate manager of social video at Crunchyroll and an editor at Anime Feminist. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Uh, I'm the technical editor for Anime Feminist. I am also a reviewer for Anime News Network. All right, as per usual with our check-in podcast, we go from the bottom of our premiere digest up to the top, starting at the bottom with yellow flags. And we are actually going to be jumping up a little bit because of... Caitlin, you're watching Wave for work, but not until it's over. And I dropped uh, Last Dungeon Boonies around episode three. So y'all can just check out Jackie's little write-up on it in our three-episode check-in if you're curious about that. Which brings us to our first proper title, Skate the Infinity, which I had yeah! every intention to watch. didn't. Oh my god. It's so good. Nuitsumi is treating you well? Yeah. You know what? Sumi just knows how to hit just right for me. Uh, every week I watch it, it makes me so happy. Like, it's not a perfect, unproblematic uh, series, but it just, you know, just fills me with the kind of joy and sunshine that I so desperately need and that not a lot of series since Free have really been able to give me. It is, uh, how's it, because I know the reason it ended up down in Yellow Flags was that the premiere was kind of shitty to the few female characters who appeared on screen so how's it doing i assume it's still mostly about like dudes yes Uh, (laughs) we got our first major female character a couple episodes ago uh she's a a detective she seems pretty cool we don't know much about her so far uh but yeah it's definitely a series about men which seems like utsumi's thing is series about men aimed at women and like that's fine that's fine that there's a niche for that as like personally i prefer one a series if it wants to be about dudes for people who are into dudes if it just doesn't have women in it because then it won't be shitty to them yeah that's fair um i mean free wasn't too bad with his female characters go is good i i, I really liked uh, the team manager whose name of course i forgot which go, go. yeah yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll this. I feel this feels like one of those that I'll say that I'm going to watch and not get around to for years. But I'm really glad you're enjoying it, Peter. If you had um, any two cents, yeah, I've mostly been enjoying it, and I don't know if you're going to appreciate the comparison, but I, it really reminds me of Air Gear. Scratches some of the same itches, I guess. It's like a, an extreme sport, very like bombastic people doing unrealistically cool techniques and stuff, and like maybe some like pseudo magic going on sometimes with some of their techniques. I don't know. Uh, especially the villain. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's fun in that way. But it's also, I appreciate it's like when it first introduced, God, I cannot remember anybody's names, but like Snow is good at everything. And who's the red haired guy? What's his name? Rocky. Yeah, yeah. He's like very uh, mediocre. And Snow turned out to be really good. And I'm like, I, I wonder if they're ever going to address the fact that Snow is just immediately better at skateboarding than Rocky. And they do. Uh, Rocky is like going through an arc right now. Yeah, yeah. I. I figured that was kind of going to be the arg is that Reki starts to kind of feel resentful that he is just a 
like an average skater like he's probably good by like most people's standards but by the s race he's really not it mm-hmm. um and so he is going to have to deal with his feelings of bitterness and resentment about basically being a support character um because he's a really good skateboard maker yeah um he definitely has like a skill that other people lack but it's not the skill that he wants to have we should probably talk about adam Oh, yeah. Ah, yes, uh, Mr. Queer-Coded Villainy. You've mentioned him yeah. before. Here's the thing. Adam is wild, just absolutely wild. Every time he does something bizarre and new, like, just, he starts tap-dancing it on his skateboard at some point, and Koyasu Takahito is having so much fun voicing him. He's, but he is a queer-coded villain unfortunately and this and like every character is kind of queer coded in some way um cherry and joe feel like ex-boyfriends but he is the like the most flamboyant one and he is the villain and it's not great but it's still just so fun to watch yeah he's a real hisoka a real who hisoka from hunter Hunter. oh okay hisoka yeah Oh, red hair pedophile clown man. Swing. Yeah. Yeah. I have to I mean, how old is he? All the all the older skateboarders are like they said it was like eight years ago when this first started happening, which I think was their last year of high school. So yeah, so like twenties. Yeah, late twenties. Um yeah. And he I don't know, his style of skateboarding is kind of uh assaulty. So uh and those guys are definitely still high school age, so yeah, not, it's not, not great. great. Yeah. It's not great, but it's so fun and I just laugh every time he does something weird. Um, and by the way, if um you're one of the people who wanted to like free but felt uncomfortable that the camera was ogling half naked high school students, which is fair, the only character who is regular half naked is a grown ass adult. Heck yeah. Yeah. And he is and he is big and he is uh dumb. And, and he can cook for you. And he can and he can cook. He's a chef. Yep. He's a professional right. chef. So <laughs> like I'm really glad it turned out to be everything you were hoping for, because I know you really love Utsumi <sighs> and Banana Fish was kind of her with her hands tied behind her back. So. Yeah, I really got the sense from the interviews on Banana Fish that like producers really wanted to preserve the material and she was just very restricted the whole time. Yeah, I've got opinions on that, but mm-hmm. let's move on. We've spent mm-hmm. 10 minutes talking about Skate Boys. Uh, next one up the list that people are watching is both of you are also do- watching Horimiya. Oh, that's hey. another one I can talk about for 10 minutes. Try to keep it to five. I believe in you. <laughs> uh, Horimiya is also doing great. It is kind of slamming through the manga, though. It is doing about an episode of volume, which for a rom-com is really fast. Yeah, that feels like dangerous, potentially. That actually explains a lot of my problems with the series. I'm just like, wow, that subplot wrapped up fast. Uh, That all happened very suddenly. I'm not quite sure if I feel any resolution to this mini-arc. I think it's because that was an entire volume's worth of content, I guess. Yeah, well, the manga is it's leans more ensemble comedy. Mm-hmm. Like um, in the last episode, the whole thing with Taru and Yuki and Sakura, like the manga has like a lot more of that sort of stuff. It feels more fleshed out. It feels more like um, their relationship is gradually developing mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like just hitting the milestones one after another in rapid succession. 
Okay. The pacing is not ideal, but the visual direction is great. Uh, I feel like Ishihama, Ishihama. The last thing I watched that by Ishihama was Persona Five: The Animation, which was ooh, not very good. But um, Horimiya, I feel like, really is works to his strengths visually. Um, a lot of like moody lighting and camera angles and like carefully framed shots. The opening is incredible. Absolutely one of the best best openings. This one, like this one's going to go down in history as one of the best openings. And how's it? With the faster pace, I know it's starting to get into the kink stuff that you wrote an article about. Is it how's it feeling on that front? I haven't watched that episode yet. the The new episode that dropped today is sort of getting into that. So it seems like some people read the manga and they were like, "It didn't read as kink to me, just as you know, uh, something that Hori wanted to to try." And I'm just like, but apparently the translation had her saying it something was kind of hot. So sounds like they're, at least the translators are making it a little bit more explicitly sexy. But yeah, we'll see. All right. So the pace, so we've got, maybe if you're feeling unsatisfied with how fast it's going through the anime, give the manga a shot. Oh, absolutely. With maybe the understanding that I know you mentioned Hori is a little bit gentler in the anime. Yeah, I would say uh, I think it definitely does like the central romance uh, pretty well. Me not having read the manga, but um, all these subplots that surround side characters really feel like just strange to me because they seem to like wrap up very suddenly. And it seems like the characters kind of all knew the answer the whole time. So there really was no kind of like drama to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I imagine reading the manga, a lot of the side character stuff would definitely maybe feel more uh, satisfying. Yeah, like the like for example, the stuff with um, Remy and Sengoku in last episode. Yeah, he was talking about like, oh well, I want to, you know, sh- she makes me want to protect her, but like in a way, she's protecting me in doing that, which I think was really like really interesting i like that Mia has like a very va- uh varied female cast and so you you can have a character like remy and not have her feel like well this is how girls should be they should make guys want to protect them um even if it is performative blah blah, blah. um because like that is a way that she has of wielding her like feminine power but like there are other female characters who don't operate that way and that makes me feel like it's fine but anyway part of that chapter was from Remy's point of view where she's talking about like oh uh, he makes me want to protect him and you know that sort of stuff feels like so- something that would be good to include <laughs> I feel like yeah. Yeah. yeah watching in the anime you just sort of I feel I get the sense that all the characters know exactly how all the other characters feel and yet they're they still have to go through the paces of the drama uh, and maybe that I think that's just how they were forced to portray it in the anime to get the the thing done within half an episode. Yeah, yeah. The manga is not really like that. It also has like a lot of like the characters like just goofing around, being teens together mm-hmm. um, in a way that's actually pretty nice. Um, I really like. I really recommend the manga if you're enjoying the anime, but you feel like it's falling short in a few ways. Um, the manga has its own flaws, but uh, anime pretty. The anime pretty. Yeah. Anime pretty, and once again, incredible opening and incredible closing. Just absolutely wonderful. Well, at least it has that that very, very pretty shine on it, which is, you know, nice. All right, 
bottom tier character Tomozaki. Uh, Mercedes did the three episode check in for this, and I know she was feeling tentatively positive that it was actually going to address the fact that its protagonist sucks and also the whole maybe central issue of his quest being forced around getting a girlfriend. Peter, how's it going? Um, I, I wish Chiaki or Mercedes was here so they could kind of talk about it because uh, I feel like both of them have a much more positive reaction to the series than I do. Um, I definitely think the series does a good job of kind of uh, forcing Tomozaki. I don't want to say forcing because he's actually very, he grows to be very accepting of this, of like actually putting in work to improve himself. The assignments he gets are like, you need to go out, hang out with some people and suggest three things to do or something like that. And like the way they build it up, it's like uh, really being socially proactive and like accepting the fact that sometimes you're going to embarrass yourself or be uncomfortable, kind of slowly working into putting himself out there and forming social relationships. So I feel like like all the structure of the ways that he has to improve himself is really good. Um, but I'm having a lot of time really getting over the kind of like manic pixie dream girl of, uh, is it Aoi, I think is her name? Uh, I mean, like, I, I don't think she's romantically interested in him, although it is revealed that he's romantically interested in her now. Because, I don't know, they just meet and she decides to make him her pet project and to, to fix him, I guess. And again, she is actually making him do all the work and just saying, like, these are the things you have to do. These are the tasks I'm giving you and I expect you to do them. So it's not like just her wacky personality magically fixed his life or anything but it just the, the the structure is kind of undermined by the fact that she just kind of came out of nowhere to help him save himself and i think the biggest issue of the series is probably the, the character Mimi, me who just kind of molests all of her friends all the time great hmm. she like sticks her head up under the shirt of another character she's always licking one of them and commenting on the taste of her sweat oh on how the other girls smell when she puts her head in their clothes like licking their mm. lobes that kind of thing just uh it's like on like it, it happens in two episodes but like the i think it literally happened in uh episode before last so i don't think it has any intention of stopping and it kind of makes me second guess what the author thinks normal human interactions are <laughs> which which really creates a problem about a series where somebody's learning how to interact normally with people so uh that's probably the my number one problem with the series Haruhi Suzumiya has so much to answer for yeah like I I have been told that like this is not something I encountered myself but I have been told about yes there are like women in Japan for whom just grabbing each other's boobs are normal um I also have had friends in the U.S. who just grab each other's boobs sometimes um so like I'm not gonna go too hard on anime for that unless it's like framed really uncomfortable but like licking stuff like sticking your head like head in other people's shirts that pushes it a little far yeah um, and audibly breathing in through her nose and talking about her bouquet ugh, yeah it's gross. gross it's very gross I, I guess i'll be interested to see if if Chiaki or Mercedes think it's worth a wreck at the end of the season. Cause that sounds like there's maybe some good stuff there, but like saddled with the same issue that this general genre usually has. It kind of sounds like it's what I wanted rent a girlfriend to be. Yeah. So oh, that's yeah. something. And it wasn't. <laughs> so Tomozaki himself is definitely uh, like, I think uh, I don't really have any complaints about him as the central protagonist. Like, uh, like a lot of the, the stuff that goes on with him is him, like, kind of learning not to hate himself, too. Because after he's made some progress, I think, like, at one time he's going down an escalator and he sees his reflection in the window next to him. And he has this, like, realization that 
maybe he's like being too hard on himself and he has improved and he should kind of like love himself a little bit, which I think was like one of the stronger moments of the series. So, and he wasn't like, uh, he was like resentful, but not a shitlord before. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely think that he, he is not of all the problems I have with the series. He is not one of them. I think he's a good protagonist. Right. Okay. So something to try if you wanted to like rent a girlfriend, but it was rent a girlfriend and it sucks. That's, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's a halfway decent wreck for, for a lot of people. I'm sure moving up the list we've got. So I'm a spider. So what is it still doing its thing? Has anything major changed since episode three? Um, it's still just, Oh, Yuki putting on a clinic. Uh, uh, one of the best voice actresses all time, she's, I think. She's great. Yeah. She's very good. I just, I can't with the gaming mechanics. I, I, I The other thing I was going to say is I actually think it's starting to do some interesting stuff. I mean, I guess this this might just be the fact that I watch basically every Isekai show. Um, but I think it's doing some interesting stuff with like, well, if you were in a gaming world, like, how could you narratively explore that idea? And, like, one of the classmates has become, like, hyper-religious because she thinks the administrator voice when you level up is the voice of God. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. and she is she has become a religious fanatic. All of her friends are creeped out by her because she's just like, you're not taking any taboo skills because the administrator says those are bad, right? Uh, and you're like, are you going to burn me to death at the cross if you find out that I am? Uh, so I think, like, just recently it started introducing some kind of interesting ideas. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it. I don't want to call it a deconstruction, like meta narrative, I guess I'll say, in addition to just uh, Yuki being hilarious and fun at all times. But I'll probably report back on where any of that goes uh, at the end of season. Nice to to hear that the the other half is at least trying to do some interesting things. I feel like I feel like this the, this entire genre of meta video gamey isekai is really down there in a rut. So good on it for for exploring. Uh, Chiaki also brought this up, uh, but I, and I know Chiaki is basically a fan of it because of the other characters that aren't the spider Kumoko. Um, because one of the characters was brought back was a male was brought back as a, a female, um, and is kind of grappling with their gender identity. Um, which I, apparently gets resolved in a way that she liked later on. Mm. I don't know if the oh. anime will get to it. And another character is brought back as like a beast and who she thinks maybe it's punishment for her bullying Kumoko when they were still in real life. So there's definitely, yeah, some other stuff on the uh, classmates side of the story. Good good for you, Aoyuki Spider. Good for you. Caitlin, I'm way behind on skate leading stars. I think the last episode I watched was five or six and it's practically finished at this point so that's all you yeah i'm i think i'm like a couple episodes behind it's not (sighs) i i I like it i'm enjoying it but it has some problem like it's just at the end of the day it's just not that good Mm, that's a shame yeah it's just it's pacing is weird the skating like when they show the skating it looks really good like let me when when they show it, but it's only forever for a couple of seconds at a time, and they the camera spends way more time either like zoomed in on their faces or like people talking on the sidelines, and like I don't want to just sit and compare the show to Yuri on Ice constantly, constantly, constantly because that's not fair to it. Yuri on Ice is an incredible show. It was really like it was something really special it was something really magical like and this you know it's not fair to expect every show about a similar subject to be about to be like that but yuri gave us entire you know the entire skating 
sequence on camera and maybe it wasn't always perfectly animated but you you got you knew what their their routine was like and with skate leading stars like i can't feel excited for them going to championships with their routines because i don't know what their routines look like so i'm still enjoying it but it's it's weird it's yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like it's like they saw people making fun of the kind of wonky rotoscoped bits of the Yuri on Ice routines, and we're like, we're only going to show ours when it looks really good, which I can understand. But then the cutaways aren't very compelling. Yeah, it's it's kind of got you know what? It's the same director as Tamayomi, and it's kind of got the same issue where you're watching it and you're like, why is this less than it should be? Mm-hmm. Which is. Yeah, too bad, because I thought the first couple episodes were pretty intriguing as far as as playing around with team sport dynamics. Yeah, and it's still, it's still got that. Like, And I like that the main characters are absolutely fucking suck. Like, they're not nice boys. Um, and they're really shitty. But, like, yeah, it's just, it's not totally coming together the way it should. I mean, maybe that's because the director, uh, Mr. Code Geass Man, is also working on the next show that we get to talk about, which is Back Arrow. Yeah, <laughs> which is what a fun show. <laughs> Do you want to talk about your feelings first? You know, Brian, you haven't gotten to talk about much. Uh, Do you want to go? Do you want to go? Yeah, sure. I I like Back Arrow. I think it is this almost unassuming little show that has some very Escaflone-y vibes in that it's this kind of bombastic action fantasy with mech elements. Um, the cast is broadly drawn, but I like spending time with them. It looks a little bit doofy in places. I think my biggest question about it, because the screenwriter is the same guy who wrote Goron Lagan and Kill la Kill and Promare, Kazuki Nakashima, and my question as of this moment is, is he going to challenge himself at any point with Back Arrow or is this going to be basically the same story he always tells, which is enjoyable, but my God, that man has a niche. I mean, I'd be, I'd be okay with that. Like, I will say Black Arrow doesn't strike me as the kind of show where he's going to push himself to go above and beyond. So I guess it's like, I'm not mad at it when I say that. I'm just, I know exactly where this is going because I have seen three other things he's written in this pretty direct mold. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I th Jared compared it to a PS2 game in its aesthetic I mean and writing, which I think is apt. Yeah, it's it's got this earnestness that I find really charming, and Shu is basically the best character. That that yeah. is maybe the most yeah. The fact that his kind of the rogue trickster character is not evil so far. I just I love that the way he's just kind of leading Bit around by the nose, mm -hmm. like he's totally got Bit's number. It's fun. It is a really breezy throwback kind of show, and. It, it is also nice, you know, speaking of the other stuff that dude has written on, that they managed to do an entire bathing sequence that's pretty plot pivotal to the plot and there's no fan service in it. So, like, that was a pleasant surprise. I think the horny in most of uh, his trigger work comes from Imaishi. Yeah, Imaishi is like it's, that. It's, I, I feel like 
I don't know if I've ever seen a Nakashima show that wasn't also Imaishi. So like, it's really it's interesting crazy. seeing that writing without the uh, without the uh, sort of bombast that Imaishi mm -hmm. trades in, and I think that might be why. Although Kaneguchi can be bombast too, we've we've all seen Code Geass. I don't know if we've <laughs> actually all seen Code Geass, but Spend we know Yes. So I'm not sure why the show is not catching on because it is so fun and so weird. I think it's because it's a little bit more restrained than mm. the shows that both of these guys are most known for. I don't know if I mm, I don't know if I would call it restrained because some like, of the stuff in later episodes gets wild, but when you look at like a if you were to clip out a, you know an, an action scene here or there, it's neat, but it's not like holy shit, what the what 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 it doesn't yeah. have that immediate grab you quality. Except for like torture choir. <laughs> which had me pretty much cry laughing <laughs> or the pretty boy farm yeah yeah it does have some magnificent flourishes of absurdity that i'm very into it's gotten pretty weird in the last few episodes yeah <laughs> which is great because i feel like it the first I, the first few episodes, I will say, like, I was like, okay, this is fun, and then I immediately forget it afterwards. But, like, once Shu joined the team and it started to be like, oh, maybe Shu's the real protagonist here, then it started to kind of to liven up a little bit, uh, I feel, because I feel like that was really what they needed to get things moving. The, the girls are all still pretty solidly sidelined, but it doesn't treat them poorly it's just they don't get to do much at crucial moments which is kind of a bummer but and like there's definitely something going on with the doctor that we haven't gotten yet mm. uh, i mentioned this the other day i was watching it with jared and i was like you know for someone with such a prominent voice actor it's really weird that uh the doctor hasn't really done much and Jared's like, wait, suspicious who, even. <laughs> wait, who is the doctor? I'm like Seki Tomokazu, who had, who is one of the top voice actors in Japan, who has played many, many prominent roles uh, that are too many to list. But like, uh, just off the top of my head, uh, Chichiri from Fushigi Yugi, uh, Vaughn from Escaflone, Domonkashu. There's probably there's more recent ones than that, but those are the ones that I really know him for. Shuichi Shindo and Gravitation. So God. yeah, big big deal voice actor. And I told that to Jared, and he immediately was like, "Okay, the Doctor is from Beyond the Wall," or like he just showed up in this town one day, and it happened to be on top of the Dreadnought. Like there's some there's something going on. He knows something now. He's saying that uh, his re most recent guess is that he's a prince of Luto. Uh, yeah, there's there's some there's definitely something happening with the doctor. I I would yeah I would call this show overall very very comfortably tropey, but very also extremely competent in how it pulls those off. So mm -hmm. it's like a comfortable watch every week. Um yeah, and it's two core. So is it? Yeah. 
I did not know that. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. So we're only a quarter of the way through. Fascinating. Okay, I was, huh, okay. Which goes a long way to explain his kind of chill pacing. Yeah, which I've missed, honestly. I f- its pacing is a is nice. And that explains some things. I do like 26 episode pacing better than 13 episode pacing usually. Depending on the kind of show it is, yeah. Sometimes it's just, it's good to have time to sit in that world, especially in something that has as many political machination elements moving around as this one does. Yeah. But we should probably move on while I, and I will restrict myself to only two minutes of yelling about fucking vlad love (laughs) i feel like my feelings haven't changed that much from the premiere review i wrote which is that i should be extremely into this and yet it turns me away at every turn it's a yuri vampire comedy and yet i really hate Uh, The protagonist, Mitsugu, who just feels like she escaped from a 90s ecchi comedy and is she's written basically exactly the same as all of those extremely shitty deadpan dudes, but they pasted on some tits and now it's regressive. Well, Anime News Network has an article about how Vlad Love is actually like from a mobile, I think it's a mobile game that never really took off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, what's her name was a, a boy in that that tracks because like I don't you know I don't it I don't want to be an essentialist and be like girls are like this and men folk are like this and what does that even mean but there are lines they give to Mitsugu that feel very cishet dude like talking about how because there's wacky shenanigans over how her vampire girlfriend takes on different personalities based on whose blood she drinks. You know, she'll, she has this moment where she's like, Oh man, with this thing, I bet I could mold her into my perfect type of girl. And I'm like, I hate you. And I want you to die. Mitsugu sucks. Some of the other ensemble cast is okay, but there's not enough of them to make up for how much Mitsugu sucks. Um, the production feels overbearing and like it wants to be flourishy and artsy, but it really only has a two or three tri- tricks, which is being a subpar Ondo with its picture-in-picture framing. Then I found out that it's... So Oshi is the big name attached to it, but the guy working under him is... Worked on Ranma for several years, uh, but is best known most recently for co-directing Neo Yokio, uh, <laughs> another show that I really hated because I thought that its meta humor was stale and unearned and its characters were shrill and annoying and it wanted to pat itself on, on the back for progressivism that it hadn't earned. So that tracked and everything suddenly unfolded before me. And then I dropped it. You saw it like the Da Vinci Code. You saw uh-huh. it. <laughs> it all came together. Peter, it looks like you're still watching it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm up to current. Uh, I, I definitely, I wonder how much of the picture in picture is just budgetary because I, at occasional moments, you know, do see some impressive animation, but a lot of it is just very, like static. So um, I, I don't know how much of that is um, them trying to be um, artistic or just uh, save efforts. But yeah, I think I have a lot of the same problems you do. I I think a lot of the cast kind of just seems to conform to whatever's necessary for the moment rather than having unique personalities, especially Mai. She literally just seems like a vacant 
a creature unless you're talking about her stepmother in which case she just throws obscenities around like a sailor but the rest of the time she's just nobody until she drinks some blood and freaks out well Oshi has actually literally said that like character is the least the lowest priority for him when he's creating uh when he's writing an anime when he's making an anime like that he is the least interested in character writing that definitely comes across. I don't know if that works too well in uh, the context of what they're trying to do here. Yeah, a slapstick rom-com. Yeah. It feels like the character should be the most important part, which explains why it feels so hollow and grating to watch. Yeah, it kind of reminds me, I would the, the anime I wasn't expecting to, for it to remind me most of was Dropkick on My Devil. Um, but I feel like it's yeah. that, but it's just like not as funny <laughs> which is unfortunate and a lot of it is just like references to oshi like uh most recently i think they were like a bunch of people were getting hit in the head by bladed weapons and one of them was randomly the captain from pat labor and okay. then they made a reference to blade of the immortal which i found out from a twitter comment uh oshi came very close to directing the blade of the Immortal anime back in the day so it's a lot of it just seems like self-referential comedy too, which I imagine will go over a lot of people's heads because the last time he directed an anime before this was uh, when <laughs> before 2010. Just for someone like for all of his bluster before it came out, talking about making strong medicine um, and you know, let's show what happens when you piss off an old man. Like, sure, just seems like uh, nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it escaped from 1992, and I want it to go back. Yeah. Both of its OPs are good, though. That's true. Yes, they are. They are extremely kick-ass. Yeah, I don't know why it has two, <laughs> and it alternates every episode. I think that's really cool, and both of them are very good. Uh, so that's right. probably my favorite part. All right, we are at the 40-minute mark, and we have five, sh- no, six shows left to go. So we're gonna motor through this a little bit. Kimono Jihen, uh, Peter, anything? noteworthy to add i dropped it because i hated how it treated its female characters and femininity in general that's fair honestly it's not it's not great to its female characters it's yeah, not or like female coded characters i think one of my biggest problems with the series is like akita doesn't do anything uh no, because he's always scared of gross stuff or i don't know there's like a bug and he screams and then he just doesn't do anything for the whole episode uh which really sucks considering uh Akira's very female-coded. Yeah. I really like Khan, and I feel like the series kind of treats her like shit, too. I think right now she's living in by herself in a park. It I, it seemed to like it was going to go into an arc where, like, Kabane befriends her, and then she kind of, like, can get integrated into the main group. But I guess she's just spending weeks at a time in this park without Kab- with Kabane regularly forgetting her. So that sucks right. a lot. Yeah. Well- Kona's is interesting because she's the most um, animal coded of all of the uh, Hanyo. Yeah, kind of Iyasha. Yeah, like she's she is does not maybe and maybe it's just because of you know Inari being terrible, but like she is very feral. She does not like she is obsessed with being a good girl and being obedient, and she doesn't really know how to socialize. Um. It's very sad, honestly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm still, I'm still enjoying the show. Um, it's beautiful. It's beautifully animated. Um, 
I like I do like the characters, even if it's really shitty to his female characters. Yeah, like, the characters themselves are good, just not always how the tro- show treats them. Another really good opening. Lots of good openings this season. But yeah, no, it's I would definitely put it like shoot it all the way down to like yellow flags at best. <laughs> Justice for Cone. Yeah. And I, do you feel it, like people were talking about it kind of having creepy uncle vibes in the beginning? I got that from the first episode, but I feel like it pretty much went away by episode two. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of dissipated. That's all right. Well, I mean, I'm as super. How's it? Um, it, it felt like the most interesting part of it was kind of how it was exploring recovery, like coping with and unpacking trauma. Is that part at least still? good oh yeah yeah oh yeah it's still it's still going very hard on that we just got like shiki's whole thing with his parents which once again not great female characters yeah that uh, was real, yeah. real bad it was real real bad there yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was but it was still also like it was explicitly about him like getting over his him being traumatized seeing something that traumatized him uh being gaslit about it and then recovering and um seeking uh retribution from the perpetrator it's a real korean horror movie now okay um by the way rebecca silverman on ann has been doing really interesting weekly write-ups talking about yokai lore oh that's neat yeah i recommend them cool cool supplemental reading i might go read those even though i dropped the show because it's fun to learn things uh next up is heaven's design team which I don't have much to add from our third episode review. It's it's adorable and precious. It has the best subtitle job of the season. Oh my God, it's so good. And I do want to add that um, they've continued to treat Venchan very well. Um, they, they've been real good to her, which was like my one lingering worry from the first episode. Otherwise though, God, I love it so much. Yeah. No, cosign all of that. It it is another th- show that just makes me happy when I watch it. Um, great great voice actor performances. Also, uh, just everyone involved is knocking out of the park. Yeah, koalas are terrible nightmare creatures. They're horrible nightmares, and they eat poison. That's why they're so stupid. And it's got a rap battle in it now. Heck yeah, it does. It's got everything. It does, and Anka. Hmm. I do want to, I, I don't, I'm pretty much on board with everything you said. Very fun. I don't think I have too much to say about it, but I do want to say that I've been surprised by how popular the show is. Oh, good. Like, uh, it extremely exceeded my expectations for how well it would do. If, like, extremely. So I, uh, I'm very happy about that. If I were a substitute teacher, I would show it in like a biology class or something. Oh yeah. It's definitely, uh, you could uh, like just put that on a school kind of show too, like sales at work. It is extremely wholesome and good, and I love it, and people should watch it. Great for edutainment. Uh, speaking of edutainment, Cells at Work Code Black. That one I would not put on in high school. No! <laughs> the only Cells at Work you couldn't, really. <laughs> I'm surprised by how much this show has grown on me. Like, it's so odd, because it feels like the creators... They, they put out an interview before it aired, I remember, that they wanted this show to be like... An ex, like a relatable cry of despair for, for an overworked generation or something like that. The anime certainly feels like that. Like it's so sincere that it actually hurts. 
it feels like, but it's adapting a manga that can't seem to decide if it's serious or sincere. So mm-hmm. there'll be like these these extremely po-faced takes on these very well-established tropes and genuine pathos about how overwork will kill you, y'all. Uh, and then it'll get saddled with episodes three and four, which I understand that episode three in a vacuum is funny because of its absurdity. But when you put it next to the rest of the show, it sucks, y'all. It sucks. Yeah. I didn't like the the liver uh, like kind of host club thing that they did either. It, it's weird. I think it's like it's very progressive in like kind of its politics, but then it like really falls back on this shitty sexist stuff. No, I mean, the, I, the liver thing, honestly, I thought it was really interesting. I don't know if they go back there later because I am behind. Um, they do. But like, okay, because the one I can't remember exactly, but the one cell being like, yeah, we're working hard all the time and you guys just get to sit back and drink. And the host being like, no, this is really hard work. We have to deal with all of this stuff um, and we have to be cheerful and we have to smile through all of it. We deserve some respect. It definitely has this, I mean, it's basically the same problem that regular cells at work has and that it has these very gendered labor roles, but you just notice it more because this one's edgy. But I thought episode two was a really good take on, hey, y'all, don't be shitty to service and sex workers because you think they don't work as hard as, quote unquote, real jobs. Mm-hmm. Everyone's yeah. wasting away in this decaying body that we occupy. Mm-hmm. Yep. We live in a society. Yeah. <laughs> it's relatable. Yeah. <laughs> and you can skip episode four altogether because that's the sexual assault one. Yeah, that one. Uh, that, yeah, that one, like, that's where I kind of stopped. So I, I have been kind of surprised that it got right back on the ball afterward. I mean that's why I stopped uh, when I when I like before the anime started because I, right. I didn't the manga. Uh, but yeah, some of the stuff after like it was kind of like so so for a little while, but then it got right back to the pre-venereal mm-hmm. disease stuff. Like the blood clot thing was really good. Uh, anytime where like a cell is dying and just seems to almost be overjoyed by the fact that <laughs> their death means that they don't have to work anymore. <laughs> is, the yeah. sweet release of death. Yeah, yeah, very <laughs> impactful. Yeah, I'm. Sub- I feel just from what I've poked around and read, it seems like this is basically adapting the first two volumes with some stuff taken from the third, and that seems like a good choice for how it's going to wrap up. Uh, because I just looking at the eight volumes and some of the the chapter titles, I assume this body just dies and that's how it ends. Yeah, I want full end of Ava. Like uh, the, I guess the stomach ulcers coming up, so maybe it's like pouring into the, the like the space between organs. They get like sepsis, and you got like the the coast. I don't know whose face is in the horizon coming out of the sea, and then the red <laughs> blood cell and the white blood cell on a beach. Yeah, that'd be good. Okay, <laughs> that works, but. Yeah, it's definitely my surprise of the season, and I would tentatively recommend it to people. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Two point four three volleyboys, or say in high school volleyball. Caitlin, I know you dropped it. What was? I just. I just started the episode, and I realized I didn't care. And life is too short to watch anime that you don't (laughs) care about if you're not getting paid for it because I watch a lot of anime I don't care about because I'm getting paid for it. But, no. Just didn't, just wasn't feeling it, which is a shame because I was really feeling those first couple episodes. 
Yeah, that's fair. It kind of, I was thinking about it and what it reminds me of, I think, is Just Because, which was this anime that nobody but me watched, partly because it was on Anime Strike. Back Didn't in like Amelia watch that? She did, I think. She was into it, I remember. It Well, the thing about it is it was similarly this very, like, nice, quiet show about kids in their last year of high school and, like, where they want to go in their lives. And it was really good at individual moments, but it kind of had trouble stringing those moments together into a plot with momentum. Mm. And then when it was over, you just forgot about it. And that's pretty much how I feel about Volley Boys, where there, there are scenes and character interactions I really like a lot, but its pacing is completely borked. Yeah. Yeah, it's all over the place. I think that the last episode is, I think I've officially dropped at this point as well. Like, it's just uh, uh, steamrolling all over all these plots. I don't know if there was a resolution to a lot of the subplots. I don't know if it expects me to know the status of a lot of things that are going on at any one time. It keeps introducing new ones, and then we don't get conclusions. Um, I don't know what's important in the show. Speaking of one versus two core pacing, I feel like this should have been a two core. Like, it desperately wants to be. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't have the time. And so while I am in, you know, I'm not a sports anime guy. So in theory, I'm kind of interested by the structure where this is basically vignettes of these teenage boys' lives tied together by these big important moments in the sport they all play. But in practice, I just don't think that they're nailing it. No, sports anime, for me, it's all about the buildup. Like you need to see them go through all the practicing and the struggles and so that you can feel really excited for the matches. Yeah. Especially if it like introduces you to the other team. So you become to sympathize with both sides. So you kind of don't want the bad guys to lose or not the bad guys, but the, the, the other team the to lose rivals. either. Yeah. Epo's really good at that where it always tells you the backstory of the other boxer. So you realize that there's some real stakes on both sides for the match. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm yeah, saying is Haikyuu and Epo are what you should Haikyuu be watching. does that too. Yeah. 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 Watch Haikyuu and Ipo. And run with the wind. Yeah, it's a shame because I, I want to root for this because it's Jose and you never see Jose adaptations, but it's just not working for me, really. No. Mm-hmm. It's too bad. Also, the cousin fucking is weird. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Wonder Egg priority. I almost don't want to talk about too much at all because I feel like we can and should so dedicate a whole much. episode to it. Yeah. There's so much here. Oh my There's, god. It's about way too many things. I, I gotta say though, I have never been in so many like chat rooms specifically created to talk about a single anime before in my entire life. I am in like three or four like groups that were specifically created to talk about Wonder Egg priority uh, and that has never even come close to happening <sighs> before just every tuesday the black bar like the anti discord turns into a cia um, document a I CIA, thank you it turns it's it's just black bars as far as the eye can see um and if you try to bring up anything else everyone just moves past it to keep talking about wag <laughs> it's I, I don't think I've also ever been so nervous about an anime before because it's dealing with so many fraught subjects mm-hmm. and there's so yeah. much on the line and it could go real bad at any moment and you're just kind of holding on, hoping to God that it sticks the landing. Oh I'm my still God. a little bit iffy on Momoe's subplot, but honestly, as of Rika's focus episode, which was episode seven, I think it has my trust now. 
Because that episode is really good. It was re- that was a really strong episode. Yeah. Um, even the people I know who don't like it, because honestly, because I'm in a couple of anime discords, Anifem Discord loves it, talks about it. Uh, the other discord I'm in does not. The general mood is actually they do not care for it. The, um, that episode or the anime? The anime. Oh, the whole thing. As a whole, wow. yeah. But wow. um, even the people who were who are down on it were saying that the last episode was uh, was good. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just it it's handling so many touchy subjects. I believe Steve uh, Vestnet, who is doing the reviews at at A and said that they are uh, juggling flaming chainsaws, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think is an apt metaphor. <laughs> The uh, at the week that this comes out, the past week of Link's post, I included someone who made a thread that was a running total of content warnings, just for if you're interested in it and haven't picked it up yet, and you kind of want to get ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and with that, I think let's put the wag aside for right now, <laughs> because... Again, that will need a retrospective podcast. It's just a thing. Yeah. It's so much. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to our last show of the season, Other Side Picnic. I wish this was a better adaptation. Yeah. I still like it, but... Uh, I, I feel like a lot of it's supposed to be like really super atmospheric horror. Just the, the way that... I feel like for that, you really need some like cool visuals. And I just don't think they were given the resources to do that. So it just comes like you just get these really bare environments, uh, maybe with some CG characters walking through it. And I just don't I don't feel the experience they're trying to generate is my feeling. Yeah, it's um, I think the source material and I haven't had a chance to pick up the light novels yet. I do intend to. But I think the source material is strong enough that it's shining through and making this still an enjoyable watch for me but it's a very functional production. It, mm-hmm. I When it came out, I compared it to number six, and I think that is still accurate, but not necessarily in all the ways I had hoped. Yeah. I, I think I actually like the series when they're not in the other side more, because that's a lot more very like character-focused and a lot more comedy and stuff, where the voice actors can do a lot of work. Yeah, but then the other side uh, is very reliant on either the prose of the novel, I guess, or what the, the anime uh, studio could really be bringing to the production. Yeah, atmosphere and cosmic horror are tough to do in uh, visually, even when you have a really talented director. And this one is extremely uh, workmanlike, as you like to say, Caitlin. Yeah, he. I am looking at his his credits right now, and there's not a whole lot to excite. It's like he directed rewrited. It's too bad because I know people love these novels and I think this is an okay primer. You know, it uh, appar- apparently it has moved around some of the arcs from the books, which now that I know that I can see kind of the, the chop and screw as it were. But I think it's one of those things where if for whatever reason you can't get the novels which are out through J Novel Club or you prefer to watch rather than read i think this anime is perfectly watchable i have a good time sitting down and watching it with my wife every sunday or monday but it's not amazing yeah i think something that's real like emblematic sort of is the way it uses cg um as just as a sort of a metaphor for the whole 
the whole package because it just in its long shots it just has this really like stiff g animation that i'm not sure why they're using it it doesn't look good um it but it's not like unwatchable um it's not like x-arm bad and they only use it for like a few seconds at a time just i don't know why they're using it um and i feel like that is sort of like i don't know for a lot of the productions like i don't know why you're doing it this way it's kind of lessening the impact um but it's not ruining it right does that make sense yeah 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 I mean, like uh, like Peter said, I, I think both of the lead voice actors are really good. And I think they are carrying the show in a lot of respects, particularly in regards to the kind of burgeoning romance between Soro and uh, Toriko, because the visual direction definitely does not communicate a lot of intimacy between them. Yeah, I wish I wish that it was better than it is, but it's fine. It, it, might, it might get more people to read the, the light novels, and that's the best thing. I've definitely been thinking about making them up. So, yeah, uh, I, any final thoughts that we didn't cover up till now? We won't be talking about ongoing series and sequels until our winter wrap-up. Did I forget anything? All right. I guess that about wraps us up, then. Thank you so much for joining us, Anifem. If you liked what you heard, you can find more of us on SoundCloud by looking for Anime Feminist or our written stuff on our website. And if you really liked what you heard, consider tossing us a dollar on Patreon. It goes a long way towards helping NFM content happen on the page and in your earbuds. And particularly right now, as we're kind of struggling to help get the money together to continue paying for our podcast transcripts, every little bit really does help. Um, And thank you so much to y'all who have donated or spread the word about the site before now. We really appreciate you. If you want to find us on social media, we are on Facebook at Anime Femme. We're on Tumblr at Anime Feminist. And we are on Twitter at Anime Feminist. Thanks so much for joining us, Anna Fam, And we'll see you next time. <laughs>